Welcome back to season three of my podcast. I am Amanda Blackwood, the survivor. As many of you know, I wrote my autobiography as a survivor of human trafficking called Custom Justice. For those of you who didn't know, now you do. Keeping in line with that, this entire season is going to be focused on interviewing other trauma survivors who did or plan to write about their own experiences as trauma survivors and how they overcame their past. Get ready to hear from some truly incredible people. Please hang on for a moment through this brief advertisement. This is what currently pays for the show. Of course, I will also take donations through PayPal to keep the show running, or you can show support by a simple book purchase. I have quite a few out there. Just look for books by Amanda Blackwood on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Your purchase does go to helping to support local organizations that help fight human trafficking also. Good morning, Carrie. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, you? I am having a wonderful, adventurous morning this morning. Um, I'm going to take a moment to introduce you to our audience. So uh, this is Carrie. She has not written her book yet, but how she introduced herself to me was fascinating. She said that uh, her book is going to be about her miracle son, who's proving all these doctors wrong at every turn. And I can't wait to hear this story. Um, During pregnancy, it was discovered that Carrie's son had numerous defects and she was pushed to terminate the pregnancy. But instead, she and her husband made the decision, a difficult but beautiful decision, to go against that advice uh, and to keep her son. And I'm so proud of you. And I love this. And I cannot wait to hear more about it. Um, She's here to share her story with us today. Uh, Carrie Gauna, G-A-U-N-A, Gauna, right? Did yes. I pronounce it correctly? Oh, good, good. <laughs> All right. So it, it takes a while. <laughs> Carrie, before we get too far into your son's story, tell us a little bit about your story. Where did you grow up? What was your family life like when you were a kid growing up? Uh, um, well, I guess just a you know, normal childhood. Played a lot outside, read a lot of books. There's uh, really not much to tell um (laughs) moved around a lot Um, okay yeah um my dad was in pest control when I was growing up and so he got transferred to a lot of uh branches that needed um and so we moved around uh but otherwise yeah not much to tell with regards to my childhood. <laughs> so there was nothing in your own past that could have prepared you for the kind of trauma that you have to go through in order to have your own son. I suppose there's really nothing that can prepare you for something like that, huh? Hello? Oh, there you are. Okay. Yeah. I thought I lost you there for a minute. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, like I said, my, uh, my cell service is sort of spotty where I live. No worries. As long as we can get through this interview, we'll be fine. And I can yeah. edit out this stuff. So, Oh, that's good. <laughs> so that's, there was nothing in your, your own life, in your own childhood that was traumatic that could have possibly ever prepared you to have to deal with this much trauma in your adult life? Uh, no. In fact, um, if, if you had asked me, even as a young adult, you know, if I wanted to get married and have children, it would have been a solid no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wanted nothing to do with that. Um, 
course, you know, husband and that changed my mind and so on and so forth. Yeah, but men do that sometimes. They, they can help us it's change true. our minds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the most definitely. So, <laughs> so tell us about your son. What what happened? Tell us the story about his birth and what all you guys have had to overcome and you're still dealing with. Um, well, we decided that we were going to start yeah, about our one year, you know, anniversary. Um, and shortly after that, we found out we were pregnant. And it was the very first, the very first ultrasound was when they started noticing issues. I think um, like nine, ten weeks, um, they started noticing that um, his stomach was always full. And come to find out, he wasn't able to actually urinate. Um, so he. Hello. Can you hear me? Oh, there you are. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So that's all right. You had just gotten to the part where his stomach was always full, and then you found out that he wasn't able to urinate. Yes. Yeah. He was uh, drinking in the amniotic fluid, but he wasn't able to um, pass it out. And so it was backing up into his kidneys. Um, so it actually got so bad that you couldn't tell where his kidneys ended and the ureters um, began. You know, the, the um, ureters that connect the kidney to the bladder, they were just so dilated that it just, it all looked like one big organ. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so that was when. Um, by that, at that time, that was the only issue that was seen. And, and then my OB kept trying to push for termination. Um, yeah. And so we got transferred to a different hospital that was more specialized for high risk pregnancies. Um, and so we got, I got monitored like. Every week, I was having to drive up to the city to do ultrasound, to do non-stress tests. Um, and then they were doing the, the, the blood testing to see if there's any chromosome abnormality. And they all came back normal. Uh, so they were like, oh, the, there's no chromosome issues. And I'm like, well, there's something's going on. And found out at 28 weeks that um, he had heart defects. Oh. And appar yeah, apparently they had known about this from the beginning because um, they noticed that I, that I only had a, a two-vessel umbilical. Yes. Um, so with the two-vessel two umbilical cord, if they see that, then they know nine times out of ten there's going to be a heart issue because they form at the same time. Um, so they knew pretty early that there might be issues with the hearts, but they didn't verify and then tell me about it until 28 weeks. Um, and of course they, they made it like seem like it's going to be horrible. Um, he was diagnosed um, TOF, which is Tetralogy of Flow. 
Um, so for that, there's there has to be four defects of the heart in order to diagnose those. Um, so there's got to be a um, VSD, a ventricular septic, septic defect, an overriding aorta, um, hypertrophy of the right side of the heart, and then um, pulmonary stenosis. So there's got to be a narrowing of the pulmonary valve that leads to the lungs. And he had three out of four at that at that time. Wow. Yeah. And basically, like, we have no idea, you know, the severity until after. Um, so they, they couldn't tell me what to expect. It's kind of up in the air. We'll have to do a wait and see. So that kind of sucked. Um, yeah. And yeah. then that must have been terrifying. Uh, it was, I was very thankful that my mother was able to be there with me because my husband wasn't able to get off to go to that appointment with me. Um, but she was able to, to fly up because I had originally to go down and visit my family down in Alabama and uh, Georgia. And my doctors were like, eh, you probably shouldn't do that. And so I was like, oh. well. I, I want someone on decided to come up here instead. And so she came with me to that appointment. And it's a good thing that she did because I don't think I would have been able to drive home. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was just crying. And of course, when my husband got home, I had to tell him. And it was just traumatic oh. for both of us. Oh my gosh. How did he take the news? Um. <sighs> Um, we both sat on the bed crying our eyes out um, but he kept he inter- a lot of stuff um, right. he kept it as men so often do <laughs> yes yes and that that <laughs> kind of especially after our son was born that put a strain on our marriage and it finally it took him finally just let it for him to really start accept granted that didn't wow. happen until for months and months um yeah, yeah it, it was it was definitely a strain on our marriage yeah yeah i imagine it would be so yeah Going through this whole pregnancy, knowing that everything was at risk, having to live this life in constant fear of what's going to happen to your son. What happened when he finally was born? It's just hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) You've got your boat. Like, yeah, like up until that part, um, like I had been hospitalized beforehand um, because at that point I had no amniotic fluid. There was nothing in there, um, oh. which can be, yeah, which can cause stillbirth. Um, right. And yeah, yeah, hey. you, you need to be hospitalized. Uh, actually, 
went in for an ultrasound, like my, you know, my week. And they're like, um, we're going to have to hospitalize you. We have to, we hear you because you have no amniotic. I had to up calling my husband and said, hey, um, I know you're at work, but I could have to the hospital now. So he's just like, what? Oh <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that, that happened Home right panic. before Thanksgiving. Yeah, just, just slightly. Um, that oh. happened right before Thanksgiving. Um, Did you at then... least get a decent Thanksgiving dinner? Well, I actually came home the night the before. Food? No, I actually oh. got to come home, yeah, the, the night before Thanksgiving. Um, wow. Yeah, so that, so that was nice. I got to actually have Thanksgiving at the house instead of the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That helps a lot with morale. Absolutely. It really does. Nice home cooked food instead of hospital food. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I once spent six days in the hospital and I don't ever want to spend another one there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That food. (laughs) So what year was all this happening? Uh, 2016. Okay. Uh, and then yeah. when was he born? Uh, December 30th. Oh, wow. Of that my year. best friend's daughter was born on December 31st. Oh, nice. <laughs> a New Year's <laughs> Eve baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a pretty awesome kid. So, uh, what services and resources or people were the most beneficial to you guys in dealing with everything that you had suddenly just thrown on your plate with a, a kid that's going to have these uh, special needs within his life? Um, well, I mean, we had some, some resources from, you know, the hospital, but that was mostly, you know, for his medicine stuff. Um, we didn't really get out of resources until older. Okay. Um, and then, you know, he started getting, he was, into therapy and stuff like that um but it was we had to do a lot you know on our own um and then at that time well when he was first born we still didn't know you know what the issue was because after his born he was born found more issues um yeah we found out that he had spina bifida occulta um, which is like the most mild form of spina bifida. Um, so it didn't affect his spinal cord or anything, but um, he has um, defects in the vertebrae. And uh, found out that he has um, hypospadias, which is the reason that uh, he was not able to urinate because he actually did not have a urethra. Um oh. Um, so they, within his first couple hours of life, they actually had to perform surgery on him and give him an artificial opening. Um, and, um, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, so it took a lot of, of research for me to find support groups. It's- so frustrating oh, that nobody was able yes. to offer you help finding support groups, even at the well, hospital. See, that's that's the thing. Um, we got his because when he was first born, they did 
genetic testing. And we got the results back when he was two months old. But it said, you know, inconclusive. Uh, they didn't know if there was, you know, any medical to their findings. And um, his genetic results showed that he had a partial duplication on chromosome 18, which is called, um, after months of research, um, partial trisomy 18, or trisomy, depends on who you talk to. Mm-hmm. But it's extremely rare. Um, trisomy 18 is also called Edwards syndrome. Um, and so they didn't, they had never really bothered to go in and investigate what this partial duplication meant. So they, the genetics clinic just said, eh, we don't know if it's, you know, anything serious or if it's something to worry about. So I was the one who had to go and do the research and um, find support groups and talk to sort of the field of uh, chromosome 18 anomalies. And so they're the ones that said, yeah, uh, partial trisomy 18, um, which is just Edwards syndrome. Um, so once I then I was able to find support groups because I, you know, had a diagnosis basically. Um, but right. up until then, yeah, no, we didn't have it to really talk to at all. So it wow. was uh, frustrating. I bet it had to be. So how did you find them? I mean, where did you find them? Where were you uh, most, um, Actually, all of them are on Facebook. Um, so there is uh, one that is um, that is very popular. Uh, a lot of more updated information. It's called Soft, which is um, supports of trisomy eighteen, thirteen, and other disorders and they stay up to date with um, research and they very much support, you know, full medical intervention and things like that. And that's a big one that um, that's a big group that I'm in because, um, you know, they're, they're big in supports and helping families with children with these disorders um and the thing with trisomy 18 same for their the sister disorder trisomy 13 is that the medical community considers these kids to be incompatible with life um a lot of places don't even the most basic medical intervention because their thought process is, well, they're just going to die anyway, so why waste oh. the resources? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's yep. going to be infuriating. Oh, my gosh. I'm mad for you. <laughs> I actually didn't find this out until after I found these support groups and started reading through everything because by the time that we got results back um the hospital was already on board with with full intervention 
Um, by that time, he had already had two surgeries. Um, he had a vesicostomy, which is the artificial opening into the bladder, and then he had a G2 placed. Um, because when he was born, he was in both kidney and heart failure. And so he, he couldn't eat. He didn't have the strength to eat. Um, so we didn't have to worry about the stigma. Um, now if we had, you know, genetic results saying for Edward syndrome before he was born, it might have been a different story. Um, he might not be here simply because... Doctors are basing their assumptions off of, you know, 20, 30-year-old information um, and just write these kids off. Like, you know, why waste the time? Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And this is, it's so completely heartbreaking. It is. My friend's kiddo, um, the one that was born on uh, New Year's Eve, ironically enough, (laughs) to survive her first year, she was uh, born extremely uh, preemie. She was 23 weeks. Oh, Um, my. Yeah. Yeah, she was about the size of somebody's palm of their hand, an average hand. Yeah. Her skin was see-through. Pound. Yeah. Yeah, she was in an incubator for, I think, the first nine months of her life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty rough, but they weren't expecting her to live either. And they weren't going to make the effort. And they kept on trying to slack off and trying to dial it back. And my friend was absolutely insistent. No, you are going to save my child because if I'm only going to have one, and she had medical complications, so this was going to be her only one. If I'm only going to have one, you're going to you're going to save this child. And yes, she's this bright energetic beautiful wonderful child and i absolutely adore her she she calls me miss manda <laughs> it's adorable <laughs> but i mean we gotta we gotta figure out how to give these kids a better shot at life you can't have these doctors exactly. going around and saying well they just i don't i don't see them having a shot so i'm not going to help well how yeah. about you give them a shot how about you exactly. uphold those oaths yeah exactly um thankfully in the last couple several uh hospitals that are becoming more uh friendly to kids disorders that um they're actually advertising we accept kids with trisomy 18 trisomy 13 um you know we'll try our best to help um and like a couple of years big article and one of the medical journals saying, you know, a cardiologist saying, hey, um, the quality of life for these kids actually, you know, increases significantly if they're given a shot at heart surgery. Um, that, hey, they actually survive. We need, you guys need to start, you know, accepting these children in for heart surgery because they don't just, you know, die on the table like a lot of doctors just assume that they will do. Um, And so this was, you know, a huge um, accomplishment. And I I saw that that article, you know, 50 to 100 times in the first week, it was my support groups, because it's like this, this is what we've been talking about. This is what doctors need to see. 
And finally, a cardiologist is like, hey, you know, they have a shot. Just just give them the surgery and, you know, their chance of, of surviving will be, you know, increased significantly. Right. You just have to give them the opportunity. Wow. A lot of times, like, some of my son's special uh, specialists still don't um, acknowledge the diagnosis because they're still under the assumption 100% fatal that if he can't possibly have it because he's still alive. And it's just like, like you really need to do the research because <laughs> and these support groups, there are kids, you know, that are thriving with this disorder and wow if, yeah if if you google you know if you google it all of the main medical pages will will tell you that you know there is like a 10 percent chance of a baby with trisomy 18 or trisomy 13 surviving to gestation and if the first couple of days after birth um, there's less than like three will make it to their first year. Oh my gosh. And, yeah. That's what a lot of the medical community believes. Um, and yeah, in the su- support groups, there are hundreds of these kids, you know, living till three, four, six. There's some, there's one woman who is 42 the disorder oh my gosh um, yeah um a couple of months ago i saw a post of another young lady who just you know just turned 21 who has trisomy 18 there's an 8 year old with trisomy 13 that just celebrated her birthday oh my gosh so how rare is this this trisomy um <clears throat> It depends on, you know, what website you go to. Some say it's the second most common under um, trisomy 21, which is Down syndrome. Others say it's like the third or fourth most common. Um, But because doctors are biased against the diagnosis, a lot of these kids, you know, don't even make it to birth because the parents are convinced to go ahead and terminate. If they do make it to birth, hospitals that they deliver in aren't interested in helping them so a lot of these kids die because they're just not given a chance so right now trisomy 18 and trisomy 13 are where down syndrome used to be 30 years ago and now you know now because of you know awareness and parents syndrome isn't a death sentence for these individuals and right yeah and right now edward syndrome is slowly starting to get there but it'll still be like 15 years if we're lucky before you know kids with edward syndrome are given the same chances as kids with down syndrome wow that's nuts i'm glad you're out there fighting for them though it's it's amazing what it is they're not willing to do yeah 
Yeah, and I mean, even though we've been very lucky and able to get him interventions, I mean, I've, I've noticed that some of his specialists are still attempting to slow code him, which is basically stopping things like delaying medical treatments until they get so bad that, you know, they die. Um, wow. I that with his, with his heart surgery, surgery, um, one of his main specialists, uh, that team just kept delaying the heart surgery for some of the most asinine reasons. Um, and it actually took my son's cardiac surgeon going down and basically just reaming the other doctors before they would sign off on on my son getting heart surgery. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, the same thing happened um, when we were waiting for his kidney transplants. I had to basically start sending his medical files to other transplant clinics before his team actually got off their butts and started doing what they needed to do to get him transplanted. Um, wow. And then they tried to blame me. How is this? Exactly. I, they, they tried to say, well, now we have to rush to get all this stuff done because he, he is in end-stage renal failure and we still have six months worth of all of the prep work to do. And I just looked at them and I'm like, well, if you had started doing all of this months ago when I first brought it up, we wouldn't be rushing now, would we? Wow. Yeah. And it's your fault that you wanted to save your son's life and they weren't interested. Yeah. Because they were doing a whole wait and see, wait and see, wait and see. And I'm like, dude, (laughs) you you can only wait and see so long before the body because it can't produce you. (laughs) So, you know. And they weren't also, they refused to talk to me about dialysis. They weren't, in, they weren't at any way interested in starting or putting dialysis. Wow. Yeah. Man. So after, after all of this, how do you celebrate when he does something that he wasn't supposed to do? Like make it to another milestone birthday <laughs> or accomplishes a task that normal kids would think was, you know, the, the ones that were born with normal uh, functionings would think is, is something easy and, you know, well, I nothing mean, but a struggle. I mean, some of the big ones like his anniversary and his uh transplant anniversary you know we we celebrate we go out and we do stuff but um other stuff like just the small stuff I mean we don't make a big deal out of it you know we praise them and whatnot but don't really celebrate it because I mean yeah isn't technically supposed to be able to do no we're we don't you know celebrate you know, he's going to learn things at his own pace. Um, and so, yay, and that, that's about it. Um, yeah, we, we don't, don't do a huge celebration or anything. Otherwise, we'd be probably celebrating every day. 
<laughs> well, it sounds to me like he's an, a remarkable kid that's uh, worth celebrating every day. Yeah. <laughs> true. Very so, true. What is one thing that you wish you could tell someone who's going through what your family went through? Um. <laughs> I had a feeling that's what you were going to say. I love that. (laughs) Yes. And where can, where can other people go to find help and support when they are going through this kind of stuff, since they can't rely on the doctors or the hospitals, obviously for those support groups. Um, Facebook is, is, you know, the main one. There are so many support groups, like with all of my son's um, diagnosis, with all of, there are multiple support groups for each and every one. Like my son has a feeding tube. I'm in like groups for that. My son's got kidney issues. There's, I don't even know how many support groups for that. Same with his heart. Um, I'm in seven or eight support groups. Uh, either teen just a generalized trisomy group. Um, for support groups. Um, yeah, and then sometimes, you know, there's churches that can maybe offer it, offer support, or at least groups that you can, you know, talk to other people about hardships. Yeah, and a big thing once you find like or whatever disorder the child has, find that have their own groups or pages that talk about their child. Joining those is another great way because um, then you can talk like one on one, and then you know their kids and find hope that hey might be scary and might be traumatizing might have no clue what to do next but that you know they're they're thriving and it can get better and yeah (laughs) yeah very cool by the feeling yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I've done the same thing for my own past traumas and stuff too. I've even started a couple of my own. I, they're just the people that go through it are the people that are going to understand you and your struggles the best and the most. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you have the doctors that can, you know, help with some of the medical, but the day-to-day living, they have no clue. They, right. <laughs> they're, opinions on what they've read and most likely an outdated medical book so they are they aren't really the best source for up-to-date information for encouragement every once in a while you you find doctors that they're like i don't care what disorder your child has i'm here like 
case in point, uh, my son's cardiac surgeon. I told him that, hey, this is what we found. Um, it's like your child's genetics. Um, I am a heart surgeon. I can see your son's heart, and it is, and it is something that I can. Um, wow. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to repair it. With my son's urologist, uh, absolutely. Um, he doesn't care about my son's genetics. He's just like, I'm here for to make sure that, you know, works um, correctly and that we don't have any issues. And so I'm going to do whatever needs to be to do that. Um, so he doesn't care either. So, so yeah, you found a couple of good ones out there. Doctors. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Um, a couple <laughs> of them. And then there's first that I probably can't, you, you can't, uh, you know, record all the lovely things I have to say about them. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I do try to keep it at least somewhat family friendly. <laughs> exactly. So just say, um, I wish them good riddance and leave it at that. <laughs> There's one more question I always ask people before we go. Um, okay. and it's not even about you not about the family, uh, not about the family truck, uh, your kiddo. Um, it is about how you view yourself. So the question is, what's one thing that you love about yourself that is not based oh. on physical appearance? Um, my sense of humor. And, <laughs> I love and, that. <laughs> um, my analytical, logical viewpoint, I guess. Never really thought about it. Nice. I like that. <laughs> One of the things that I admire about you is your tenacity and your uh, unbelievable skill of, of pushing through in the face of all of this. Thank you've, you. You face some pretty serious stuff and you've come yeah. to the other side and you're still smiling and laughing. You've got a great yep. husband who loves you, who loves your son. Oh, you have yeah. this adorable kid. Oh my gosh. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> yes. so uh, take care of yourself do me a favor and kiss that baby right on the top of his head give him a great big hug from me because oh Will my do. gosh he is he is just so precious <laughs> and he, he would definitely love that because uh, there's no such thing as stranger to him uh he loves everybody <laughs> all right so carrie do you have anything else that you would like to add today uh well Thinking back when we were talking about um, celebrating the little things, well, you know, we didn't celebrate the little everyday things, you know, the big milestones like walking and talking, we definitely celebrated. Um, I actually remember uh, my son started walking at 16 months because um, we had just gotten home. Um, he had actually just had a reconstructive surgery on. And I guess that was the perfect time for him to say, okay, I'm going to start walking now. So he started walking. Oh, my. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like, you know, if, if he's an adult, 
I know even my husband was just like, if that had been me, I would have been curled in a ball on massive drugs, crying. <laughs> and here this little guy is. Thank time to start walking now. <laughs> Dads really do pick their own timing. <laughs> for for talking, that was a big one. He, uh, my son, actually didn't. Uh, he started talking via uh, American Sign Language first. Um, and yeah. I remember the first uh, com- the first conversation had was crazy, and I was texting my husband because he was at work. I was calling my parents saying, "You won't believe it, but I just had very first conversation." And I think the conversation was that he wanted to watch more more on the TV. <laughs> and then <laughs> talking he was three that was right after his kidney transplant and um that and um I know the the kidney transplant was just a huge huge step for uh, kiddos with trisomy 18 because they don't um, he's actually the second individual with teen who's been approved and first who has been approved for a transplant so wow. that was yeah that was the accomplishments just back to back and then him talk and he, he hasn't stopped since, let me tell you. He is out of us. That's awesome. Oh, yes. oh, what a special little dude. He is. He most definitely <laughs> is. And I know you have a Facebook group out there, too, for support. What's the name of your uh, Facebook group? Yes, yes it is. Uh, it's uh, called the Ant-Man um and it's just a uh i just keep people up to date on what's been going on with with him and you know uh, doctors and what they've said accomplishments um issues that we have things like that uh, granted i haven't been able to post anything because of facebook jail yay facebook uh, <laughs> but hopefully to post more in the next like week maybe i think i don't oh, know when fantastic my, yeah i don't know when my jail time ends i have to go back and look um <laughs> but yeah because i post about uh previous doctor's visits and things like that so so you're gonna have a whole lot of information suddenly coming in here in a little bit huh a little bit um, just a little bit because <laughs> this this month he's got his his two-year post-transplant biopsy, but so for for a couple of into the month, um, keep your fingers crossed that uh, everything comes back okay. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh yeah, dude's been through a lot. He really has. He he really has. It's mind-boggling. Really, sit down and think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, have a great afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm looking forward to catching up with you. When your book does come out, let Mm -hmm. me know. I'd love to have you back on the show to talk about it. You know, that might be 
I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've got time. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> All right. That is good to know. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Carrie. Yep. <laughs> Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed tonight's episode, make sure that you head on over and check out the episode description. You will find links on how you can both support this podcast and how you can actually follow this author on social media. Check out their website, find their books, find their blogs. Whatever it is that they provide me with is what I provide in the episode description. So check it out. Go support our people. <laughs>